Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. And in chapter 21, we see in verses 9 and 10... The New Jerusalem. Let's just look over there. Chapter 21, 9 and 10. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And I'm not going to read on. I encourage you to read on. Because when you look at the New Jerusalem, it's just phenomenal. It's just amazing. So when the question comes, who is the bride? It's answered here. It's the New Jerusalem. But I think that's the inhabitation of the bride. I don't think that is the bride. I think that's where the bride lives. The city will begin to take on the characteristics of the inhabitants. The city begins to take on the feel and the life of all of those around. Have you ever noticed how cities have different a feeling? Because it takes on the life of the inhabitants. You may go to some city somewhere that... Maybe they're very, very liberal, and you just get the feeling of the liberalness. Or maybe you get into some other place, and it just seems everything is closed down on Sunday. It used to be that way, huh? It used to be everything was closed on Sunday. And we still get to some cities, especially in the South, just nothing happens. Nothing goes on. And you could tell, it, each city takes on the feeling of the inhabitants and who's there. Well, we've seen that Satan is bound for a thousand years and the saints rule with Christ a thousand years. All those who have been raptured, resurrected, those tribulation saints have a very special position and a job. And I believe they will be the inhabitants of this new Jerusalem. Consider what a great... Well, we'll talk a little more about this city four square. But look at chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. We see in that depravity of man how Satan is released. People just go right after he is able to deceive in all of the four corners of the earth. We've talked about that. We've said, well, the earth is round. It doesn't, it's not flat. It doesn't have four corners, but it does have four points to the compass. Scientists can still use that term, the four corners of the earth. It's still well known and widely understood that that's what it's speaking of. Far and near, north and south, east and west, wherever it might be, that we see that Satan has been able to go out and he reaches into people and their hearts are still rebellious. Even after a thousand years of a perfect government, a thousand years of everything going right, can you imagine that? And then the heart is still have that such rebelliousness against God's leadership. But this leads to the great white throne. 
That I've said all that because that's where it takes us. There is a final judgment. There's many judgments in the Scripture. There's judgment of the nations. We talked about in Revelation chapter 11, the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. That's found in verse 18 of Revelation 11, that we will receive the rewards... That is all those that have been changed, all those that have been saved, translated, caught up, raptured, receive the rewards. Well, we're going to think about that. I want you to just consider that a little bit as we go through this. Because of that Bema seat, we see the end of that first resurrection. Well, I, I shouldn't say, but at the end of this first resurrection where Christ is the first fruits, the Bema seat has taken place somewhere before that. Those that are written in the Lamb's book of life, all those that have cried out and that have accepted Christ as Savior are in that first resurrection. All of those are in that first part. The old saying, if you're born once, you die twice. Born twice, die once. Death is separation. If you have the second birth, you only have the physical death. You'll never be separated from God. We see that even hell and death are cast into the eternal lake of fire. Maybe your translation may read Hades. And Hades literally means the place of unseen. The unseen dead. When the Jews use the word grave, it is the word Sheol. The Hebrew word Sheol just simply means the place of the unseen dead. Both words carry the same idea. And the idea was that we don't know where people are going, but we know that we don't see them any longer. That wherever it is, there that separation. Well, you see, this Hades is finally cast into that lake of fire and brimstone. How sad. Maybe we have loved ones. Maybe you have people that you're praying for. You know that they don't know the Lord. Born once, you die twice. There is the physical death, and then there will be the eternal death. The second death, the scripture calls it. The final separation from God. Hell and death, Hades are cast into the lake of fire. And the fifth thing we see is God destroys this heaven and earth with fire. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it's very similar to what John is writing about, but he says that, but the present heavens and earth by his word are being preserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. We know that in the days of Noah, the first earth, and that's what he talks about in 2 Peter, the first earth was destroyed. Our world is different from the first world. When there was uplifted water, the heavens, the canopy that was over, the whole world was a very different place, and it enabled people to live much longer periods of time. You see, scientists look at things today and say, things have always continued as they are. But that's not true. When the Lord brought about the flood, we have a whole new world. You cannot count things because of such a catastrophe. Well, let me tell you that there is coming another catastrophe to this earth. At the end of the thousand years, this world is going to be burned up. Heaven and earth all destroyed and made new. And that's good news to us. Because in chapter 21, 
verse 4, and really all of that was my introduction. Because in verse 4, I want us to see, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and I will dwell with them, and they shall be his God. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now does that mean that the Lord's going to walk around with a handkerchief? Wipe every tear? No. The word is prokaryon. I'm not getting it quite right. But it just means it's no longer there. It's gone. There are no more tears. And that doesn't mean we don't have tear ducts in the new... Now we may not have tear ducts in the new body. I don't know. But there's nothing to be crying about. Nothing to be sad about. Now remember back in chapter 6, we saw under the fifth seal, the souls of the martyrs, and it said that their tears were wiped away. A thousand years. You know what? To be a martyr for the Lord is, is really a pretty good thing. We've seen, and I'm not encouraging you to go out and die for Christ. Go out and live for Christ. And the more we live for Christ, the greater your chances that you'll die for Him. But you see, the greater our life is and the impact for Christ the greater our chances that we'll be called on to give our life. You see, those that gave their life, and we see them, that they're ruling and reigning in our reading here in chapter 21. We saw that those that had given their life that did not yield to the Antichrist, to the false beast, to all of those, they had a great position of ruling and reigning with Christ. All tears were wiped away of those early martyrs. All of those tears, but now... There will be no more tears whatsoever, no sorrow, no pain. All of the former things are wiped away. Well, I, I want to come back to that and really think about that a little bit. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837 Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. But first we have to think about this city four square. A city that is, what, 20 miles wide, 20 miles long, 20 miles high? And I've thought, how could that be? Well, in a new world it can be. And look at the foundation. Have you ever done much building? Have you ever poured concrete? It's a back-breaking job. But let me tell you that in this city, the foundation is made up not of concrete, aggregate, metal reinforcement. It's made up of diamonds, of emeralds and rubies, onyx. So just the foundation, the building materials are so precious that we're going to see red and sky blue and white and orange red and yellowish and greens and purple and so much more. I wonder if we're not just going to sit there and look at the foundation. Because then the building materials for the street, not asphalt, pure gold. You see, we can understand certain things, but we cannot imagine what we don't know, right? We, we can't imagine what we can't Understand what we can't experience. We'll, we'll think about that. Because there'll be no more temple, no more sun, no more moon. Remember I said we're going to be talking about all the no mores. No more moon, no more sun. Why? Because the intrinsic light of God just lightens everything. 
It just flows from him. And literally in chapter 21 and verse 24, he talks about the peoples. Now this same word, the peoples, was used prior to this as those, because he says here, the nations or the peoples of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Into the new city. I want you to think about something real quick. Remember, we are made kings and priests unto our God. Who are these kings that are bringing their glory into the city? That might be you. What? You mean I've got something to do? God is going to give you something. And we've talked about that. We've looked at that. When you are fitted for eternity, you have a job. You have a position. You have a great place. It's worth serving Christ today. These peoples are redeemed from every nation, from every tongue, because there are no more divisions. There will be no more rebellion. And that word was used before for a rebellious people, but now these kings and priests bring their glory. Where's that glory come from? Well, it comes from the wonderful things of God. And then we see in chapter 22, we notice that the Bible ends up with these, these great promises. And He showed me... A pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And then we see the river of life and the streets that are there. And it begins to explain to us. Now, it's hard for us. By the way, John is so overwhelmed by this that twice he falls down and he tries to worship angels. Don't think, well, John, I would never do that. But I think it was so overwhelming. The great things that he saw... Here was this mighty angel and he just falls down. And every time those angels said, don't do that. Get up, get up. Don't you only worship God. That's an important, important fact for us to recognize in this day and age. Don't let the things of this world, that might seem mighty, that might seem important, that might seem like, oh, this has great reason and we ought to be striving for that. Worship God and God alone. Stick Him alone. Well, in all of our old human experience, it's gone forever. Talking about the no mores. He wiped away every tear. And look at the negatives, by the way. Let's just go back to 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. I just wonder about people that say, you know, the Bible says you can't do this, you can't do that. No more, no more acting like this, no more acting like that. And they always think of all the negatives of the Bible. Well, here's some negatives. And they're positive. Does that make sense? That the negatives can be positive? I don't know if that quite makes sense. Because, you see, in all of these things, sometimes we can't understand what we don't understand. We can't understand what we cannot perceive. Maybe that's the way I want to say it. We can't conceive what we cannot experience. And so the only way to understand what we can't see, what we can't understand, what we can't experience, is to understand by its difference to what we do experience. To understand what we do know. And so there's a series here of no mores, no longer, that demonstrate for us the difference that heaven's going to be. That's why I say the no mores. I hope that you're encouraged by the no mores. Because he says, what, no more tears? No more death? No sorrow? No crying? No more pain? The former things have all passed away. Then John rehearses the changes that's described here dramatically. And he's rehearsing all of these negatives. And again, he says, 
we can't really comprehend what it's going to be like. So he comes back and he says, we're not going to have any more things that depress us. No more things that hurt us. No more departing of loved ones. No more things that will cause us pain. Maybe you have regrets in your life. Do you have anything that you, oh boy, I wished I never did that. I have some regrets. I have some great regrets. And you know what causes me tears and anguish? But we stood at the judgment seat of Christ. And all things are made new. All of those things have been judged. All of the wood, hay, stubble was burned up. And what's left? The gold, the precious stones. So there's no more crying here. There's no more regrets here. There's no more depression here. There's no more saying, oh, this old world, it's, it, what a place this is. There's no more, oh, my body's getting kind of weak and old. This cold weather seems to affect the hinges. They don't work quite like they used no more of those things. But you know what Paul says? Not only that, but he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, every man will have praise from God. We're not going to go into heaven saying, oh, I wish I'd done that. Oh, I wish I'd been better. Oh, I wish this and that. If you want to see the great things that we have, think about what is not going to be there. What we do understand. So, there's no more moaning, there's no more groaning, there's no weeping, there's no wailing. And all of those things, they've all been wiped away. He means he's wiped away every tear. There's nothing sad, there's nothing disappointing. Have you ever been disappointed in your life? Thinking, boy, life gave me kind of a, a bad blow. Nothing that's unfulfilling, nothing that's lacking, nothing that is wrong, nothing that is limiting. There is nothing to cry about. What's going to happen to people that love misery? Tears of misfortune, tears of poverty, tears of loneliness, tears over loss, tears of sympathy, nothing unfulfilling, nothing lacking, nothing to cry about. No tears of mercy, no tears of pity, no tears of persecuted innocence, no tears of remorse, no tears of regret, no tears of penitence, no tears of neglect, no tears of yearning for all those things that have gone by. So in all those things that we can see, those aren't there. You see, because it's so great, we couldn't understand the bliss and the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment and eternity. Tears, you see, are part of the things that were gone away. They've passed away. They don't exist. And then he adds two more no mores. There shall be no more death. The greatest mortal curse is death. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 15. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Death is gone. It's eliminated. Nobody ever dies. In fact, when you go back to chapter 20 and verse 14, death itself is thrown into that lake of fire that we saw. In Hebrews 2, 14, namely Satan, who used the power of death to put fear in the hearts of all men. There's no more dying there. All morning I walked around singing that song, No more dying there, we are going to sing the key. No more crying there, we are going to see the key. You see... All of the no mores. No more distress. No more repression of tears. Nothing to get depressed about. Nothing to get distressed about. We've got to figure out a new way to live. 
We've got to figure out a new way to walk in the glory of God. <laughs> That's the catalog of the no mores in verse 4. And I, I want to be able to tell you of all of the great things that the Lord has. But look at who's speaking. Who's on the throne. Because that's where John hears it. He hears the voice of one who is on the throne. Who said that? And then the scripture says in chapter 20 verse 11, I saw a great white throne and he who sat on it from whose presence heaven and earth fled away and no place was found. Obviously this is the eternal God. God in Christ, the one who created, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who started it all, the one who said, I am the beginning and now this is the end. We've come to the end of our whirlwind study of Revelation. And it's so joyous. It's so happy. Because Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He didn't begin at Christmas. He always was. He just came to earth in the form of a man. But he means I am the one who started it. I'm the one who ends it. I'm the sovereign that has a purpose and a plan. You see, he's already got a plan for you that is beyond what you could conceive. And so he says, by the way, there's a couple more no mores. You know, there'll be no more prayer. There'll be no more fasting. There'll be no more repentance. There'll be no more confession of sin. No weeping, no watchfulness, no concern, no anxiety, no teaching, no preaching, no learning, no evangelism, no witnessing, but perfect pleasure, perfect knowledge, perfect comfort, perfect love. That's heaven. All week I've just been studying and trying to absorb all of the greatness and I can't even begin to fathom. I couldn't get off of verse 4. <laughs> I couldn't begin to fathom the greatness and the grace and the mercy of our God. You might say, oh, who is going to be there? Those who have the faith that overcomes. 1 John 5, 4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. But he goes on. Because you might say, well, then I have faith. But he goes on, he says in verse 5, and who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the one that overcomes, is by putting your faith in the right place. Putting your faith in the right place. I love it because this book ends in the very great invitation. The book ends with inviting us to come. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.